Welcome back to another episode of Liars and a Gentleman podcast. We appreciate you listening. My name is Brady, and I have with me Terrace, Chris, Brian, Dave, Curtis, and Joe. We'll be talking about a number of topics today, including some bourbon, an interview with a special guest, and we'll finish it up by talking about the Tiger and Phil matchup coming up this weekend. I feel somewhat compelled to say that all of the individuals associated with the Liars and Gentlemen podcast are of age to consume alcohol and do not condone underage drinking, nor drinking and driving, nor the abuse of alcoholic products, and would uh, ask you to please uh, drink safely and responsibly if you choose to do so. With that said, my particular favorite type of cheaper bourbon is Four Roses. I mean, I just, I like Four Roses. I think it's, uh, has a good taste to it. What are you guys drinking right now as far as bourbon goes? What kind of bourbon? I've switched gears a little bit. I, I love a little Woodford, but uh, I, I've been drinking uh, a lot of Russell Reserve. Wild Turkey makes a nice product, Brian. I'm probably the, the most consistent bourbon drinker here. But yeah, no, I, I think uh, everyone here knows that you see me with a glass of bourbon in my hand, it's uh, it's probably going to be Elijah Craig to me. It's just a, a solid everyday drinker. It's a good price point. Kind of hated the fact they went away from the 12-year the aging process, and, and now uh, it's probably a little bit younger than that, but it's, you know, it's still a really good bourbon. Joe, what do you think? Woodford, I've been to three different uh, bourbon tour, distillery tours. I'd really recommend, if you love bourbon, I think it's a fun thing to do. You know, for me, 1792 single barrel when you can find it here I, I have a hard time finding it but i think that it is a pretty solid drink also i don't think you can ever ever go wrong with buffalo trace chris what are you going with i know it's a tough choice for you it's a tough choice you know i've gone from i've had some russell's reserve a little store pick out of nashville it's called cork dorks butterscotch pie it's fantastic if uh, any of our listeners or in the Nashville area, Cork Dorks is a great spot to go. They do some single-wear picks, and they're fantastic. E.H. Taylor Straight Rye, which is a Buffalo Trace product. So, I mean, I think you're kind of getting the gist there. I've had some Weller, E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, both of them, Buffalo Trace products. Fantastic. I think I'm a weeder guy, though. Buffalo Trace is a is a wheat distillery. That's, that's where they thrive. Um, from Weller to E.H. Taylor to Blanton's to Patty Van Winkle, who we all know. You know, I'm, I'm a big wheat guy. Uh, I'm with Terrace a little bit, though. Elijah Craig's kind of what got me started in it, and I'm a huge Elijah Craig fan. Didn't have a pour of that. I had a barrel proof at 122.2 proof. It's fantastic. If you're going to go with what I like, Buffalo Trace products are hands down for me, for my profile, is what I like. Let's see. On the shelf behind me, boys, we got Old Forrester Birthday. That's a good one. We got some Old Pogues, some Midwinter's Night Dram. I got some old Elijah Craig barrel proofs. I got Elijah Craig 18. On the other shelf over here, I can't show you that, but I've got a couple Pappies, some George T. Stag, some Stag Jr., Obviously, all Buffalo Trace products. You had the uh, the William LaRue Weller. Have you had that before? I have never been uh, able to, to find any of it. I hear it's the pretty, only, pretty tasty. I've never had a bottle, to be honest with you. I've got Special Reserve. I've got Antique. I've got Weller 12. I got uh, Blanton's Gold, regular Blanton's. I've, got, I've had some foolproof. The only place I've ever had William LaRue Weller, which – by the way, hands down, is probably the finest bourbon I've ever drank. 
was at um, a bar up in Lexington. It was $80 an ounce. Gosh. It, it, well worth it. You know, I'm really hoping that our good friend Josh over at Hickory and Oak lands a bottle of William LaRue Weller soon when we open back up because his prices are great. If you're in the area, by the way, stop by Hickory and Oak. We can have a fun night at Hickory and Oak. Some bourbon. We pour some bourbon and... Uh, It'll be great. That's one thing I cannot wait for that to open. That's probably that's the first place. Not probably. That is the first place I'm going to dinner when they open the restaurants back up. I've missed that place so much. Yeah. So shout out to Josh and Hickory and Oak. Be ready for us. I hope you hope you get that bourbon stocked up because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long night. And and Curtis, by the way, man, I, I love the shout out to 1792. I am a fan, not gonna lie, their base product, which you can buy at the store every day, is middle of the road. But you get to their you get to their single barrel, you get to their bottled and bond, especially if you get to a couple of their store picks. What when I, and when I say store pick, I'm going to clarify for our listeners. When I say store pick or any of us say store pick, we're talking about a single barrel pick. That's where the store owners and staff go to a distillery and actually select the barrel that they pick. 1792 puts out a fantastic product. When you get into the, as Curtis explained, the harder to find bourbons, something that you can't find on the shelf every day. So, man, Curtis, great pick. Pretty good stuff. There's nothing like listening to a few Kentucky boys Talk about the Commonwealth's greatest products. Kentucky's known for horse racing and bourbon. We're going to go now into our pre-recorded interview from this week. He's also another boy from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Tonight's interview on Liars and Gentlemen podcast was a one of the top ten prospects in Kentucky, Rivals.com, who was in high school, including Scout.com and Super Prep. He was also All-South Region, as named by Prep Star three-year starter at offensive tackle and defensive tackle at Monroe County High School in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. Um, he was honorable mention All-State as a senior by the Louisville Courier-Journal. Played for the winning Kentucky squad in the Kentucky-Tennessee All-Star Game in June of 2007. Five-year letterman on the basketball team. District player of the year as a senior and junior and honorable mention All-State as a junior. Three-year pick on the All-District team. Also played two years for the baseball team. He uh, attended the University of Kentucky and played on the football team. Helped UK rank fourth in the SEC in total offense and second in the fewest quarterback sacks allowed. Senior year, he started 10 games. Over his tenure at UK, he won, they won two bowl games and they went to four. He helped break the streak against UT his senior year. He was awarded the UK Male Student Athlete of the Year 2011 and 2012 and was an academic All-American nominee. After graduation, he made an appearance at training camp for the Cincinnati Bengals. After that, he pursued a career in education and coaching. Has worked in a few school districts in Kentucky and most recently in Monroe County. Head coach of the Monroe County football team from 2016 to 2019. Currently is the assistant principal at Monroe County High School, working on his doctorate of education. We're pleased to have Billy Joe Murphy here with us tonight on Liars and Gentlemen Podcast. How are you doing, Billy Joe? Thank you for having me. I guess we, we kind of wanted to start with a discussion of your time at UK. I know you, you started there uh, back in 2007 as a redshirt freshman. That would have been what, uh, Rich Brooks? era there yeah coach brooks was there my first three years okay so you you were and you were recruited under coach brooks right whenever yes. you were i think you wanted to play at western at one point but i ended up going to uk um what was the what was the deal behind that well i went to a camp at western when i was a sophomore i think and of course i had interest in western i mean my both my parents went there my sister was in school there at the time and uh, of course i had interest there and they were you know they were five years removed from a national title so it was it was definitely uh, something that I would have loved to have 
thought about, but frankly, they were the last ones in the entire state to recruit me. Coach Elson came, and he was the last one of the um, the five Division One schools in the state to recruit me. And it was, I mean, you know, I had I had opportunities. I was fortunate enough to have opportunities that were better uh, and a little bigger than Western, and I was very fortunate for that. So in the end, I probably wouldn't have chose Western, but um, you know, they were they were probably the last ones to recruit me, and I even camped there. So I thought that was kind of odd, but. You know, it is what it is. And so you visited a few schools. Was it Vandy, UofL, and UK on your, when you were being recruited? Yeah, and that was probably my biggest regret uh, in that whole process is not taking my five official visits. I had other offers, but I would have loved to have gone and watched the basketball game at Duke, you know, visited Stanford, Michigan, Nebraska, Illinois. I just – I wish I would have taken Harvard. I wish I would have taken all five of my visits, and I didn't. I only took one official visit, and I did go visit Louisville unofficially and Vanderbilt, but I just took an official visit to Kentucky because I, I knew that's where I wanted to go. I grew up a fan there and had the opportunity, and I knew that's where I wanted to go. So what led you to pick UK over the other two schools that you took visits to, official well, well, Louisville was actually my first offer, and when I got that letter, and I didn't even know what it meant, it said, you have a, we are, we're offering you a full grant and aid scholarship. At the time, I'm a, you know, I'm a junior in high school uh, fixing to be, and I didn't know what that meant. So they were the first to offer me, and at the time, they were really good. and had Braum and Michael Bush, and they were rolling. And I thought, wow, you know, it's an in-state school, top ten program. Uh, that's, that's pretty Vanderbilt. Went down there with really no interest in Vanderbilt whatsoever. And I went down and visited, and I met Jay Cutler. He was there, Earl Bennett. They were there working out, and – was went to coach Bobby Johnson's office and he offered me a scholarship to my face. And I thought that was really cool of him. And it was really, I love the campus. If I wasn't going into education, I would have seriously thought about Vanderbilt. I really would have, but I knew, you know, what's in, what's the difference in a degree in education from Vanderbilt and a degree in education from almost anywhere else. I don't think that really sets you apart, but if I were been going into the medical field or something uh, of that nature, I probably would have given Vanderbilt more serious thought. So let's not get too high on UofL now. I mean, we, we have a couple – there's a couple guys on here that are – at least one I can think of that's a Louisville fan. We, we ain't got to give the Cardinals too much credit, all right? They well, have- I, and I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. I went and visited the place one time, and I thought, there is no way I can go here. No chance whatsoever. I mean, it took one visit, and I knew that there's no way I was going to go there. Absolutely no way. And I, I met Patrice. He was the coach there at the time. And we spoke at practice. And I asked Coach Petrino, I said, Coach, you know, there's some word going around. I said, how long do you plan on staying here? He said, oh, I have no interest in the NFL. I thought, okay, well, he could be filling me, you know, full of baloney or whatever. But about four months later, he bolts the Falcons. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's business. And he had that opportunity. I get that. But I'm like, you just told me four months ago that you weren't going anywhere. So I'm kind of glad that uh, I never pursued that. But I knew after I visited one time that it wasn't the place for me. I can respect that as a Louisville fan. And, you know, Bob Trino, I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. He gave us a good year here here on the Hill. He did give us a decent, you know, some time here. And he had his legacy last for a little while, too, some of his assistants and stuff. So, I mean, you know. He was exactly what WKU needed. Exactly. 100%. Am I thinking right? You had a a tape in high school of you like as a big lineman doing the kickoff for your high school team. Is that right? And like making a tackle. The first play on my highlight tape that I sent to colleges, I kicked the ball off, and I went. It was like the best kick I've ever had. I kicked it to like the five yard line, 
I mean, I couldn't kick that well. I was supposed to squib kick it, actually, and I, I accidentally kicked it real well. <laughs> it high, kicked the five-yard line, and I ran down and made the tackle at, like, the 13-yard line. And that was the first play on my highlight tape. Well, I'll tell you what, mine didn't make a highlight tape, but I do know how hard squib kicking is. So I, I'll give you a, a pass on that one. At least <laughs> yours went down to the five-yard line. I think mine only went about five yards. So uh, quite a little bit of difference, but it's difficult to pull off. <laughs> Basically from 07 to 12, you were either redshirted or playing on the team. And, I mean, there were some good seasons there, eight and five. Your uh, your first year seven and six your second seven and six six and seven and then five and seven worst two seasons were under Joker and I know your senior year was one of y'all didn't go to a bowl but you went to a bowl every other year that you were there right yep and ended up winning two beat Florida State oh seven oh eight and then beat uh, East Carolina in oh eight oh nine. So you've played, and I was looking through this, kind of getting ready for this. There, there's a lot of different players that you've played with that went on to play in the NFL or, you know, made a roster for a period of time or whatever, including, you know, Woodson, Tammy, Jarman, Locke. I don't know if Micah Johnson did. I, I couldn't, couldn't find that. But who were who you closest with, I guess, on the teams that you played with? Would it be the offensive line that you'd be closest with? Were you close? I know you were friends with Heartline. And I know you were yeah. friends with uh, Jake Linesky and um, – I've met a couple other of your friends before, but who, who all were you? Uh, who were you close with? Yeah, I room with Stuart Hines, Bowling Green guy for for all five years. We were roommates all five years, so we're we're still pretty close. Uh, Heartline lived with us for a little while, and he uh, I still keep in touch with him. And I don't keep in touch with a whole lot of guys. Everybody just kind of goes their separate ways and lives their busy lives. But uh, my roommates, Jake and Stuart Hines and Tyler Sargent, we we have a little group text and we we talk about it every week. And, uh, and Jacob Dufresne, who lives in Louisiana, we we like to go out to Texas to take a hunting trip every now and then, once a year, hopefully. And uh, I stay in touch with those guys, but not really a whole lot other than, you know, Twitter and, you know, talking back and forth a little on Twitter with some guys. Don't really talk a whole lot with with many. And I've looked through some of the players that you play with are still active in the NFL. Um, Corey Peters plays for Arizona, I think, or at least was on a roster for Arizona recently. You played with him, right? Yes. Randall Cobb. And I think he's on Houston now. Yep. Danny Trevathan is Chicago. Yep. Larry, Larry Warford was a lineman. Uh, and you said he got cut? Larry was – I, Larry was the right guard and I was the right tackle my senior year. Okay. And he was, man, he was so good. The moment he came in, everybody knew Larry was, like, really, really good because he was pancaking guys as a freshman in helmets. I mean, that, that's just unreal. You just don't do that. He would pull out on a sweep, and and he would get – he would get – our job when we pull on sweeps is to make the DB pick a side, and then your running back makes you right. Well, Larry would pull out there, and he would pancake a DB, which is almost impossible as a freshman. So, we knew Larry was really, really good, but he, he can play. And he signed a four-year contract with New Orleans, his fifth – going into his fifth year, his second contract, four years, like $30 million. He was a pro bowler his first three years. Going into his fourth year this year, got they drafted they drafted a guard first round this year, and Larry got cut last week after three years of making the Pro Bowl. Hey, somebody call John Robinson and see if he wants to sign up for the Titans. I would love for Larry to go to the Titans. Larry, Larry can play. Speaking of the Titan, former at least a former Titan, you also played with Avery Williamson. Yeah, and uh, of course he played at the Titans for several years. Now he's on the Jets. Um, what, tell us about these, some of these guys. What kind of guys were these? Like Randall Cobb, I think you, you liked, right? 
all those guys you've named so far are super guys. I mean, awesome. And it's so it's so funny when you look back on it. You can tell the guys that come in, like Avery. You could tell Avery, Bud Dupree. Uh, Bud was a freshman when I was a senior. Avery, Bud Dupree, Larry. Uh, you can tell when those guys walk in as freshmen. You're like, man, he he either he can play or he looks really really good. Because they're all the guys. I mean, they look like great athletes. But like Avery, Avery looked different as a freshman, and you knew that. And like Danny, Danny was a little scrawny guy when he got there, but Danny bulked up, and Danny could fly. He could he could really fly. But he Danny was a great player too. But Danny was a great guy. I mean, all there were very few guys on our team that I genuinely would not. I wouldn't say I didn't like them, but I wouldn't go out of my way to speak to them. Like there, we all got along. We weren't all best friends, but there were very, very few guys that I didn't get along with. You had two bowl wins, two Music City bowl wins. One you defeated Florida State, one you defeated uh, East Carolina. You, then you lost uh, the next two years. In the fifth year, you didn't go. But compare those bowl wins to being part of the team that snapped the losing streak against UT. I mean, what was better? When all that went down our senior year, when, when we beat Tennessee, we're like, guys, this is better than any bowl win we've ever had, ever. Because we knew it was our last game. We were four and seven, knew we weren't going to a bowl game. And so, like, guys, this is it. You know, we got a guy playing quarterback that's never played quarterback. We're not going to throw the ball. This is like high school. All we're going to do is run the ball. We're never going to throw it. And so, all week, we're like, guys, this is it. It's our last Tuesday. It's our last Wednesday. And we knew it was it. And when the game was over, and the fans rushed the field. It was like a storybook ending. Like, it couldn't have been any better. We got back in the locker room. It was a huge party. Uh, all night long was awesome in Lexington. I mean, it was a, a storybook ending. And we we talked about that all the time, of how we're glad we didn't even go to a bowl game our senior year. We would trade that than playing, beating Tennessee 100%. Because when you go to a bowl game, I mean, you got 15 more practices. I mean, that's that's brutal. It's it's a beating. So, it, it was it was it was awesome. I would trade – but I would rather have a ring probably than beating Tennessee, but it was better than the bowl losses for sure. Are you talking about practice? Practice. Brutal. I thought y'all walked around in shorts and helmets, and y'all don't really hit anybody in practice now, do you? Yeah, times have changed, haven't they? You played in a lot of different places in the SEC away, I'm sure, and, and, and traveled. What were the, um, I guess, the loudest, the hardest places to play in the SEC – uh, what were your the, the the stuff you liked, stuff you didn't like? Just give us some some thoughts about that. That's that's a hard question to answer because your sample sizes are so small. For example, we played LSU at LSU. It was a day game, so we didn't really get the full effect of the. And they only beat us, I think, twenty eight to nothing or twenty eight seven or something like that. And they were that was the year I think they they were top five. They were really really good. When and I looked out opening the game, I look out and I see they're starting defensive end on kickoff, and I'm like, what what is going on here? What what is it? Because usually your deep linebackers are on the kickoff team. They're starting defensive end was on the kickoff team. I'm like, oh my gosh. So anyway, like LSU was a day game, so we didn't get the real the full effect. But my favorite by far was Alabama. I was that was where my first start was as a freshman on a, my first SEC start, first SEC game, and I started there. They beat a 17-14 CBS, and it was it was unbelievable. Georgia's really cool. South Carolina's really cool. Florida's overrated. It's old. It's I mean, it's a cool place, but it's just I think it's overrated. Tennessee's massive. It is so big. I'm sure some of y'all have been there. Uh, we didn't play against Missouri and Texas A&M. They, they weren't in the SEC at the time. 
Uh, Ole Miss is really nice. Mississippi State's a, it's in the middle of absolute nowhere. You go down there, it's like Cotton Field, Cotton Field, Cotton Field Stadium. It's in, I mean, it's in the absolute middle of nowhere. But there was that was probably my favorite part was traveling to all those places and getting to play different stadiums. It really, it was it was pretty neat. Shots fired at the swamp. Wow. Yeah, what? I like I'm that. Telling you, it's just so old. It's over. Everybody. I mean, it's just old. It's, yeah, I mean, you mean old. The, you mean the building, right? Because you I'm know, talking I, about the, the stadium. As a Louisville fan, I, I sit and watch Kentucky basketball, and I'll give UK some credit. Commonwealth can get ro- or Kroger Field, whatever it's called now. It can, get, it can get rocking. Rupp, the, the attendance, uh, the median age is about 70, I believe. And uh, so did you go to games while you were on campus? And, and uh, how did that compare football atmosphere versus basketball atmosphere? I know, you know, basketball is different, but. It was weird. When I got there, it was the Billy Gillespie. It, Tubby had ended, and it was the Billy Gillespie area. So we had gone eight and five, eight and five. And we were we, – it was kind of a joke. We knew it wasn't true. But, hey, guys, you know, we're a football school. Because <laughs> the basketball was kind of downhill. They were they were going – they weren't very good. And we were pretty good. Weren't very good. They're getting beat by VMI and Gardner-Webb and everybody yeah, else. So, so then I was in charge of the basketball tickets for the football team. So, if any football player wanted a ticket to a basketball game, they had to come through me. And so, I, you know, I had some perks doing that too. That's why I did it. But – uh, I was in charge of that, and yeah, I went to games. I was there the first Louisville game uh, with Cal and Patino. That was awesome. And my senior year is the year they won it all, so that was amazing. That was a really, really cool experience. And then by the time you know later on in my college career is when Cal came in, and it just—I mean, we ate every day. We ate with the basketball team. We ate sub or we ate table with the basketball team. So Anthony Davis, John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, Darius, all those guys. Not that we really congregated and talked to them, but we did eat right next to them every single day. And when Cal got there, it was just – I mean, it was it was always a basketball school, but it place went nuts. I mean, literally within three months, there was a bar that had a, a shot named the John Wall shot and a drink named the Big Cuz. And those two kids are 18 years old. I mean, it's just it – was, it was crazy. I'm sure they were never allowed in those bars. Either. Oh, absolutely sure. not. No. Be it's not like Louisville. Right, I mean, they let anybody in anywhere up there, but I mean, y'all y'all ran a tight ship up there. They like those dancing girls up there. I heard. Pretty sure they didn't get let in anywhere. They were letting people in to their house. Well, Billy Minardi Hall, man. Billy Joe, didn't you, your lineman buddies, didn't y'all ride mopeds everywhere on campus? Man, we were hell's angels. My wait, first. Wait, 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 wait. Can we go ahead? We, we need to get uh, height and weight stats before we talk about riding mopeds. Uh, we, just see, so everybody knows dumb, how big a man you are. How big a man. I'm a dumber. Like, my buddy would ride with me sometimes. He didn't have one. And he would hug up on me. I'm like, dude, you've got to stop, man. This is so weird. But he was an idiot. I mean, he was a nutcase. And he would wrap his arms around me and put his head on my back. I mean, he, he just did stuff like that all the time. But we had – there was probably, I don't know, 15 guys with – 149 cc's I and mean, those things go like 70 miles an hour they fly we we rode them everywhere because we didn't feel like walking when it was 100 outside after practice so one night everybody's got stolen like literally almost everybody's and for some crazy reason mine didn't and i sold it the next day and never had one after that we were in the dorms and everybody's got ripped up stolen parts were stolen out of them and I, mine was not touched and i have no idea why but i sold it the next day 
So how big were you all? You and your buddy on the – who was it on the moped with you? It was Jake. At the time, I had a 49cc. It was actually granddaddy's. I had a 49cc, that burgundy one that he had in the lake. And me and Jake were on that thing. How big? Probably 12 miles an hour, tops. <laughs> how big were you and Jake on that thing? How, how big uh, were you? At the time, you know, together we were probably 575 pounds <laughs> on that thing. It was a 49cc moped. It wouldn't go 30 – you know, with 20 pounds on it. And, and you're how, you went 6'6", six, six, and Jake's probably, what, 6'4", or something? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that's what a sight. What a sight. I mentioned it, that you made an appearance at training camp for the Bengals. That's, that's correct, right? I didn't misstate that. Yeah. Yeah, Tell us about that. Well, can we, can we go ahead and clarify that the only reason you're not in the NFL right now is because you got something going against you that uh, no other guest I'm sure that we're going to have uh, has going against them. Uh, got your damn toe taken off by Cottonmouth, right? Copperhead? Yeah. I got nine yeah. toes. Yeah. You've been uh-huh. in the NFL if you had ten toes, man. That's kind of what I was thinking. It helped me buy it. Tell, tell us the story about that. What happened? Oh, man. Uh, well, I went fishing, and long story short, got off. I had to use the bathroom. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to jump in the lake. Because I didn't like being soaking wet all day. So I got off the boat, walked up in the woods to use the bathroom, had my Crocs on, but I had taken them off. And long story short, stepped on it. I didn't, I never saw it till I felt it bite me. It slithered off about six feet and I hit it with a stick, took it with me to the hospital. Three days stay, two surgeries, and they had to take it off. It did it just, both fangs went in one toe and just, I mean, destroyed it. Horrible. What did that feel like when that thing bit you, though? It, I, I didn't feel the actual bite itself. It just started stinging. Like I had been stung by a wasp times 50. It started stinging really, really bad. And I never got sick or nothing like that. It just it just stung. And I had always heard people that got bit by them, they don't feel anything. It's like a little needle prick or something. Well, this one was way different. And I saw the snake and I had it with me. And it looked, I mean, the, the head was, the head looked like a new penny. So it was obvious that it was a copperhead. Had it with me. We rushed back and get to the hospital, and but it just it just stung. I didn't feel the actual bite itself. It just started stinging. That would probably set you back from the Bengals. And I was having you tell us about the Bengals training camp. How, how was how was that experience? Well, I was playing in a golf scramble on Thursday afternoon in Tompkinsville. I was on hole number seventeen, and I got a phone call from a number, and I didn't know who it was. And I thought, well, I'm, I need to answer this, so I answered it. I said, Hey, Billy Joe, this is so and so from the Bengals. She said, We would love for you to come here to. Uh, rookie camp this weekend. Can you be here in the morning at six o'clock? And this is like five thirty in the afternoon. I said, Yes, sir. I'll be there. So I hung up. I didn't even play hole seventeen and eighteen. I left. I got went to Cincinnati. I got there at one a.m. Five. Had practice that morning, and we, we practiced. I think f- three or four times in two days, and then I got cut. But I mean, they they drafted a guard in the first round that year, Kevin Zeitler, and then I was the other guard. And I was going against Devin Steele. I don't know if y'all remember that name or not. But his daughter had cancer, and he was all over ESPN with it. And his he was right across. He said I had to block the whole time. And I did, I don't think I got embarrassed. I think I held my own. But when you go to those things, if you don't stand out and you weren't drafted, you're not going to do it. And you could tell as the weekend went along um, who they were going to keep. And Coach Lewis, Marvin Lewis, brought us, me and a bunch of other guys over that didn't make it. He said, look, guys, you know, this is all a numbers game. He said, keep working towards your dream. You may get a phone call tomorrow. He said, this this is a crazy business. You know, don't give up on your dream, blah, blah, blah. But to me, I knew I knew myself that I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. So that was that was good closure for me. I didn't want to not try and then look back 10 years later and say, man, I wish I'd have tried. And I worked out, did the pro day and everything, and um, I just knew I wasn't good enough. So it was good closure for me. So you've been a – you started in education as a teacher, 
and then you um, you taught at a couple of different schools, a couple of different districts, and you coached. And then you've also been a, a high school coach at Monroe County. I was assistant principal and head coach this year. Uh, I just you know I just wanted to change. Football, huge part of my life for the last you know twenty years, and that's all I've known. And I just I just wanted to change. Uh, I I love the coaching part. I, I know I'm going to miss. I'm sure I'm going to miss it like crazy, especially this fall if we play or if they play, but I just wanted to change the scenery and something different. So we're obviously in this pandemic right now. What's it looking like for, for your school district coming up this fall? I mean, y'all, is, are you talking in what ifs? Are y'all have any idea what's going to go forward in that kind of stuff? Are you just like everybody else? What's going on with that? I mean, it's just one of those things, man. You just got to play it day by day. We don't have a clue what it's going to look like come August. We just, we just don't, we, I don't think we'll have a clue until July what it's going to look like. And, you know, everything's going digital now, and the whole classroom itself has been going digital the last five to five to eight years. And everything you do can be done online. And but it's it's I think a lot of things, not in y'all's professions as well. I think a lot of things are going to change for good. The way we do business, the way we conduct any any type of face to face business, I think it's going to change a lot of things for good. I really do. Um, I know Terry still a little bit in sales, and Brady. I mean, you're a. I know you're an attorney, but you dealing it too. I mean, you're selling yourself the same as we all are. And so anybody see the LA County said they're just going to shut it down for like the next three months. They're just going to keep it locked down. Did y'all see that out in California? No, really? Yeah. It's going to sh- shut it all down for the summer, three months, continue to shelter at home. I was going to ask, uh, you know, we got this heated rivalry in our state, kind of going back to football a little bit, being the lone Cardinal fan here and, going to ask Billy Joe, you know, what was that, the Governor's Cup, what was that week leading up to the Kentucky-Louisville game? You you had pretty good success uh, while you were on uh, at UK. Yeah, we never lost to them. Four, four, I'm, saying, I'm just saying. Never lost? I, well, hold on. Let me retract. I got hurt my senior year, and I did not play against Louisville. So, we lost that game. That was Teddy Bridgewater's coming out party. Okay. We, we lost that game. We beat Louisville the previous four years. I thought y'all had a good run there for a while. Yeah, that we we the Cragthorpe years were good to us. They were good to everybody against Louisville. <laughs> Man, we hated them absolutely, one thousand percent hated them. You know, and it, everybody thinks that like there's so much trash talk. There is a lot of trash talk at that level. There really is, but it's all business. It's more so business than it is trash talk. I mean, yeah, after every play, there'll be a few cuss words yelled at from player to player, but as far as the dirtiness goes, you can't get away with anything with all the camera angles and the referees and the umpire. You can't – I mean, you can't get away with anything. So it's all business, and we hated them. There's no no question about it. We hated Louisville probably worse than any other team that we played. Probably worse – it's definitely worse than Tennessee because, I mean, how can you say that you're a big-time rival when you haven't beat a team in 26 years? Yeah. And it's kind of like Louisville and Kentucky basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. You can't just say that's a rival. There's that jab. I knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) He got that in there subtly, too, didn't he? (laughs) Well done. Well done. Speaking of of playing in-state teams, y'all played Western how many times while you were at UK in football? We played them twice. We played them early, like in 08, and beat them pretty good. They weren't very good then. And we played them my senior year in Nashville, and I gave up the only sack of my senior year against Quantarius Smith who played for the Broncos and was drafted by the Broncos in the first game of the year. We beat them like 14-3. to 
but what, I mean, they were they were a lot better that year, and they were in 08. 08, they just they weren't very good at all. But they were a whole lot better in eleven than they were in eight. I'll tell you what, it says a uh, a lot for Quintan Smith there, giving getting the only sack on you that year. That's the truth. I gave up one sack my senior year, and he, and it was Tim. He wasn't a bad edge rusher, was he? No, he was good. And here's the thing: they had another guy. I didn't, and I'm not making excuses at all. They had another guy that played started the previous year, and this was the first game of the year. So I watched film on him the entire time. I didn't even know the Smith guy. I, I didn't even know him. I got saw him a little bit on film the previous year, but I didn't study him at all. And he, man, he caught me off guard. He could play. He was good. Have you watched The Last Dance at all? Oh man, every episode. It's awesome. It is awesome. I always thought that you were a Jordan guy. Like you were a big time fan of Michael Jordan. I am. Uh, but you do not believe he is the greatest of all time. No, I don't. And in fact, you make a somewhat sacrilegious argument to Jordan fans <laughs> that LeBron James is the greatest of all time. Well, okay. First of all, let's just kind of – we have to do a foundation thing here. Brian, you do know Jordan did not invent the leather basketball, right? I mean, he didn't – that was James Naismith that started the game of basketball. It was not Michael Jordan. I do He didn't make that. the laces or nothing like that. Okay. Because last week on y'all's podcast, it seems like you thought he – like, with the, he made the North Star. He invented the game of basketball. He was an angel sent down from heaven. I'm just making sure that you knew he did not invent the game of basketball. Because <laughs> I'm a Louisville fan. No, 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 it's because you were a, you're a Jordan truther, man. Like, me and I am a Jordan trooper. Me, I am. Me, okay. Me and Terry. So here's the, basic, here's the basic argument. When you talk about a goat, okay, it really bothers me when people try to argue and back up their argument with team accomplishments when you talk about a player and how good they are. That really bothers me. Because every time someone wants to compare Michael and LeBron, it's all six rings. Yes, I'm not saying that the Bulls, that the Cavs and the Heat were better than the Bulls. I'm not saying that. The Bulls were great. They were a great team. But that's the, that's the main argument that Michael Jordan lovers play is, oh, he got six rings. What other sport do we do that? Who's the greatest running back of all time? Barry Sanders, one of them, no rings, right? I'd say Barry Sanders. So why, so why, so why basketball? OJ. How many rings does OJ have? I was just kidding anyway. <clears throat> I don't know. How many rings does OJ have? Does he have any? None. Zero, I think. That's my point. That's my point. We don't even know. So why do we jump to it first thing when we talk about the greatest basketball player? Well, I think that you're you're kind of doing two different things. Uh, with football, it's so much more a team game. Like you're not playing both sides of the ball, right? So uh, you, you can have a quarterback that's absolutely dominant, like Dan Marino, right? One of the greatest quarterbacks of all yep. time. And it's not his fault necessarily that he didn't win a championship. I mean, it, it takes both sides of the ball to be successful. So true. And that's one thing that is more of a factor in basketball than there is in, in a lot of other sports. As you look at Jordan, and he played with the same tenacity on offense as he did defense. Maybe not so much the last three years when he came back, but I mean, he did win two or, uh, All-NBA Defense Player Award. He won one. He won, he won Defense Player of the Year once. That was twice, but I'll give it to you. Well, what about baseball? Who's the greatest baseball player ever? I don't know that Ooh. I have a, anyone that I could say is the best baseball player ever. But I can tell you this, that any time that anyone's ever made an argument for the best baseball player of all time, they never talk about World Series rings. Yeah. Never. That, I mean, that goes into the whole pitching staff and everything else, too. There's just so many things that are outside your control when you're 
talking about the best ever. I mean, Barry Bonds, steroids or not, I mean, steroids obviously made him probably the best statistical player of all time. But even before he was on steroids, in my book, would have had to gone down as one of the best baseball players, at least on a short list. I mean, he was a 40-40 guy before it was even really a thing. You know, back when those guys were 195, 215 pounds. You know, Ricky Henderson, another one of those guys. Um, so there's plenty of talent, and maybe those guys didn't win all the accolades. But just for an example, baseball is also – you can get hot and you can get cold. And you see all these wild card teams that are battling it out to the end. And there's something about that camaraderie and the, the belief in the team that can overcome any star when it comes to baseball. You can intentionally walk anybody you want. They don't even get a plate appearance. So you can take things out of people's hands in other sports that in basketball, it's, it's a little more difficult to do that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And here, I'll ask you this, any, any Jordan lover, and listen, Jordan, I think it's 1A and 1B. I'm not saying Jordan's Kobe Bryant's better than Jordan. That's just ludicrous. But what – and there's a few things. I'll admit, there are a few things that, that Michael Jordan does better than LeBron. If you say win, then there you go, team accomplishments again. But there are a few things Michael does better LeBron than LeBron. What are they? He was a better, he was a better offensive player than LeBron was. He was an absolute better scorer. Okay, you say a better scorer, but – LeBron had a higher two-point and three-point percentage in his career. So, yeah, Jordan shot more, so he scored more. But that doesn't make Jordan a better offensive player when LeBron is more efficient on offense because he didn't shoot as much as Jordan. Yeah, but Jordan also didn't play with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Oh, here we go with teams. Uh, well, no, I mean – no, 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 that's many, what I'm saying. I'm Jordan saying, like – There wasn't – there was more shots – for Jordan because he didn't have the talent around him that he could rely on. Yeah, early that's on what I'm in saying. Career. Yeah, that's what now, I'm he, saying. He had, to, he had to drag teams to the end of it. LeBron took I'm the gonna, Cavs. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and they well, the were The year LeBron took the Cavs to the finals and was that like 08, 09, something like that? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. No, no, like that was one of the most dominant performances of an individual. Like, unbelievable. And yeah. I'll admit – LeBron is more physically dominant than Jordan ever will be. There's, there, he's just a specimen. Jordan is a better free throw shooter. Jordan is a better guard defender. And Jordan, that's probably it. You look at all the statistics. LeBron's a better rebounder. He's a better passer. He's a better, more efficient on offense. He can guard any player on the floor. I mean, what? I just don't understand. LeBron almost averages a triple-double for his career. I tell you one thing we wouldn't have seen if Jordan would have been on the team when J.R. Smith grabbed that rebound and didn't put it back up. We wouldn't have seen J.R. Smith on the floor <laughs> for the rest of any time because Michael Jordan would have broken his jaw on that bench is what would have happened. Murdered him. Hey, I'm going to jump in here because yeah. you sound like exactly what I was saying the first podcast. I mean, before the first podcast, I definitely think LeBron James is without a doubt the most talented player to ever play the game. He is – probably the most talented player we'll ever see to play the game. The one thing that he lacks, and you said, what is Michael Jordan better at? Through watching The Last Dance, there's one thing that sticks out more than anything, and it's that killer instinct. We've seen LeBron have it before, but we haven't seen him have it for six or seven or eight consecutive years. I mean, he's made it to six NBA Finals and, and has won three of them. And I know that's the whole team thing, but his teams were good. I mean, he's not been on bad teams either. I think that's the thing is 
you know, LeBron almost has developed into his back half of his career a mm-hmm. pass first. He's he's developed into a more of a team player. He's a pass first uh, guy, and he yeah. can take over when he wants to. But he doesn't have the same uh, timeout conversation as Jordan. I want the ball. Get out of my way. Run a play for me. I want the ball. I don't want anybody else to have it. So for me, that's the one thing that LeBron lacks from Jordan. And I was completely on your side, Billy Joe, before I started watching the last dance. But it's pretty apparent that, you know, there's, you know, when you've got the dream team saying in a practice, we didn't really think this guy was that good. And then in a practice alone, them realizing that, hey, this Jordan is a complete, I mean, he, he is a guy that can take over the game anytime he wants to. And it's not because he had the ability to, it's because he wanted to, he had that killer instinct. Yeah. No, I see where you're coming from, but, but I also think if they made that 10 part documentary series about LeBron James in the last 17 years, that we would probably be saying the same thing about LeBron James when he has Dwayne Wade on there saying, Oh yeah, I thought I was the best, but LeBron came and he was the, he was the alpha dog. I mean that TV can make you think differently, but when you go back to it, the Bulls, Scottie Pippen was a top 20 player of all time. Michael had the best coach, arguably the best coach ever, and they won. They did three Pete twice, and they said, nobody, that's such a hard feat. Man, Phil Jackson left the Bulls and did it one year later, started it with the Lakers and did another three Pete. Phil Jackson, he was a genius. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. I, I think the difference is their competitive nature. I don't think if we did a 10-part documentary – you would see LeBron, you know, punching people in the face at practice and berating his teammates when they're not meeting his expectations because he wanted to be the best. I, I think I tweeted it the other day. Like, I see LeBron bringing orange slices and Capri Sun and patting everybody on the butt on the backside um, at the end of practice. I, I just think that's the difference. The, the drive to win at all costs is just missing from well, – and don't be wrong. Not just LeBron. No, LeBron wants to win. The game today is different. There was so much more vitriol and, and hate back then, and the rivalries were so much different. Now it's almost like it's difficult for those guys to be that way because there's so much business involved in it. There's so much money now. Like, Well, and they're under they're a microscope. Like, when they get done playing, and, and Billy Joe, you probably saw the transformation of this as, an, as a student athlete. Like in 08, you know, we, we had Facebook, but by 2010, Twitter's coming around and yeah. social media now. Like, you get done playing and you're getting scrutinized by fans, reporters, and, you know, the people you just competed against on social media. That wasn't there for Jordan. And here's what I say about LeBron. This is what amazes me about him. He came into the NBA at 18 years old, and for the last 17 years – he has either been or arguably been the most dominant, best player in the league for 17 years. You can't say that about Michael Jordan. Now, give LeBron a year or two in his, in his first get-go. I mean, that's give him a year or two, probably wasn't the best player in the league. Definitely wasn't. But for the last 15 years, you can argue that he was the best player in the league. And in some years, you, most years, you can't even argue it. But you can't do that for Jordan. I would agree Every with year that. that Jordan was in the league, he was the most dominant player in the league. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No but way. I would say, okay, so so give me the years that well, he won. Tell me the, the players who out-dominated. Michael Jordan? Okay, Michael Jordan was not the most dominant player in the league from 1985 to 1990. Okay, so tell me who was. Probably Larry Bird, Magic. Okay, 
I'll stop you right there. Both top ten players in the NBA history ever. Who? Larry Bird and Michael Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Johnson. yeah. Right. So, but what I'm saying is I would say LeBron hasn't played with against any other top ten players all time. Maybe Steph Curry. I think KD might be in there. KD might be. Kobe at the end. Yeah. At the end? No. LeBron was competing against Kobe when Kobe was the alpha dog and won back-to-back yeah. times in 09 and Kobe, and Kobe is still a better player than LeBron. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. He was. At that point in time, he was a better player than LeBron. Billy Joe, just, just kind of throwing this out there. We're talking about comparisons of players over different eras and different time frames. Your dad played at Western St. Catharines basketball. I know you played at Monroe County High School. In their prime in high school, who could beat who? You or your dad? <laughs> Man. He was a 180-pound center. There is no way he could compete. Now, he thinks he could beat you. I've heard him say it. Oh, I know. He so, couldn't shoot. So, he could, so, he's not – He, I mean, he wasn't fast and he couldn't shoot. So, that's the one area which I would have trouble in guarding him. He's not going to score with his back to the basket. He was 6'4", 180. He would never touch the paint. <laughs> so no comparison is what you're saying. Wouldn't even be a contest. No. How many, no. how many points? I saw your sister play. She was pretty damn good herself. So I, I don't think you should discredit her out of the uh, whole family equation here either. <laughs> oh, she might be both of them. <laughs> I know she had a better shot than Billy Joe. You're right. She might. Oh. She, she could shoot. Oh. So I'm hoping you have two pretty good truths and a good lie that you can tell us. See, we're all the whole premise of this podcast is liars and a gentleman. All of us like to bend the truth every once in a while and tell a good story, good fishing story is what we call them, but we never let the facts get in the way of a good story. So you've come in here and you've given us some good, truthful, honest answers, and we want you now to join us uh, in the, the League of Liars is what I'll call it. So give us, go ahead and give us your first statement of two truths and a lie, and, it, and then at the end we'll have a consensus that would guess what the lie is. Well, Brady, I think you and Joe should probably be disqualified just so the i guess the listeners can know that that you are our first cousin so we know you better than most uh people probably would so we know i probably know most things that that you would come up with like this so we will both disqualify ourselves and will not contribute but i will still um kind of mc a little bit so go ahead for the other three that are here we've got chris we've got brian we've got terrace they're going to try to guess this Okay. The first one is I stabbed my sister in the ear with a spaghetti stick, and it broke. She had to go to the doctor. You stabbed your sister in the ear with a spaghetti noodle. I'm assuming this is uncooked, obviously. It was raw. It was raw. And it broke off in her ear? Yes. She had to go to the doctor. Okay. Okay. So you ready for the next one? I wasn't sure where that was going when he said I stabbed my sister. Okay. The next one is, in college, I got in two bar fights, and one of them I had a bottle broke over my head. And the last one is, when I was an eighth grader, I won an individual golf tournament. And the trend continues. Those are three good ones, Billy Joe. Those are three good ones. I, I could probably compete in this, Billy Joe, because I don't really know what the – I'm not thinking about what the, what the truth of the lies are here. So, I <laughs> – 
all of us knowing Billy Joe, I think I think the first one's the truth. I think he stabbed her. Uh, that's I think that's a no question. I also think, in my opinion, the bar fight because we've all been around Billy Joe and um, in a in a bar setting. <laughs> I think that the bar setting, the bar fight, bottle broke over the head is a truth as well. So, you know, I'm going uh, I'm going live with number three, so, Brian Terrace. What do you think? I mean, the the age kind of matters from a from a stabbing in the ear <laughs> thing because. You know, I'm thinking if this happened when, like, what's the age difference between you two? Three years. So, did you end up getting knocked out after you stabbed her in the ear with the spaghetti? Because I'm thinking she might have just hauled no off comment. and just no whipped you. No comment. I mean, between Billy Joe and Megan, this could have been literally, like, before the uh, social distancing effect, or it could have been when the they – The night before it started. It could have been when Billy Joe was, like, seven and she was ten. So, I'm, you could guess across the board of stuff. So, I have no idea about that. Oh, and as far as the bar fight goes, I mean, I, I'm, you said it was in college, so I'm going to guess you're out with, with some of your, your uh, football teammates. I mean, when there's some big guys, you got to try to find whatever you can find, I guess. And you're a 6'6 six, six, six guy. You're, you're standing out a little bit. So, although that's a pretty big reach, you know, to get up there to the top of your head and bust a bottle over it. So Not if you're standing on top of the bar. That's true, too. I'm not sure I've ever played golf with you. <laughs> Man, I guess, I guess if I eighth grade, where, where were you playing in a? Uh, was this at the uh, Monroe County or the Tompkinsville Country Club? That was there? gonna be my question too. Is that Hidden Hills? What? What's up with all these questions? Here's my thing. I, I have no doubt you stabbed your sister in the ear with the spaghetti noodle. Hundred percent happened. Hundred yeah, percent. No doubt. Obviously, the two that we're all debate between is the bar fight and the, the eighth grade golf tournament. And I don't want to insult your athleticism, but you're a big some bitch. I can't see anybody hitting you over the head with a bottle, especially with you're probably out with your lineman guys. And I mean, I can see I see Terrace Parrish over there um, instigating a fight with somebody uh, if he's out with you because I've seen it happen before. But. Uh, <laughs> I still don't think anybody's going that far. So, I'm going to the eighth grade golf tournament. That's my uh, speculation there. You think the eighth grade is a truth or a lie? That is a lie. Oh, so I agree. He's running right around. He's running right Eighth up. grade golf tournament's a lie. All right. Well, or, he was in a, or he was in an age group by himself in Monroe County. I don't know. Maybe he did win. All right. Let's go with the eighth grade golf tournament then since y'all two are with that. And I can't make up my mind. So, so Billy Joe, what's the answer? No, no, no. I think the bar fight's a lie. Oh, you think the bar oh, fight? Whoa, whoa, okay. This changes oh, now. I was confused. I thought you were going with the golf. I mean, so that's why I was like, uh, from from the way I've known him and the way I've seen him, he's he's kind of a gentle giant. Yeah, you know? I don't see anybody wanting to pick a fight with him. I mean, he says he's been in two bar fights. I think that maybe is like he was around two bar fights, maybe. Like, you didn't start any fights. Yeah, but, you know, he was with a bunch of college athletes, too. Yeah, well, he's also with a bunch of college athletes. Yeah, you know. We Did you watch the Aaron Hernandez story? People don't start I, fights with college athletes very often. I did, but Terrace, Terrace and my brother tried to start a fight with, uh, you know, Alabama boys, swoop hair. No, no, no. Well, uh, just to clean the record up, I didn't – I didn't try to start a fight with anybody. There were two people that were getting ready to fight, and I was recommending that they go ahead and get on with it. That's what I was doing. <clears throat> like, let's stop all the talking. If one of y'all are going to swing, then swing. And it had nothing to do with our parties at all. I was just there kind of being a hype man, like Dana White for UFC. You know, I was just trying to get it going. What, a, what an instigator. I, that's yeah. what I mean. He is yeah. an instigator. 
I was. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the eighth grade golf tournament. So you're saying the bar fight and he stabbed his sister with spaghetti noodle uncooked are the truths and that he did not win an eighth grade golf tournament. Correct. All right, Billy Joe, tell us what it is. Y'all had – this is the third podcast, right? Yep. Yep. What is your record on two truths and a lie? We're one and yeah. one. You're now one and two. Ah. <laughs> it was the bar fight. It was a lie, right? I did not have a bottle broke over my head. That's a lie. I told you guys. <laughs> I didn't think you ever had a bottle broken over your head. I know you've been a, probably around a couple of fights. I think you've told stories about some stuff, but I didn't think you ever actually had anything happen like that. <laughs> no, I actually did win an eighth, a golf tournament. Uh, my dad was so mad because I missed baseball practice to go w- win a golf tournament. My grandmother took me. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. actually there were, three, there were three people in my my age group, and I won. Yeah. I wasn't far off with one. Yeah, three people. Yeah, you were. You're three pretty people. close. <laughs> his, nine, his nine hole score was 56, and he won by four shots. Did you get in trouble <laughs> with a spaghetti noodle? Because I've never heard that story. Okay, I was probably I don't know seven or eight years old, maybe nine or ten. I don't know, and she was probably you know, pulling my hair, pinching me or something, aggravating me. And I took a raw spaghetti stick and I stabbed her. I, I like just whammied right side of her head and it went in her ear and it broke off in her ear. <laughs> and we had to go, we had to go to the doctor and they had to get it out. I don't know how they got it out, but. Well, Billy Joe, we've had a fun interview with you, man. It's been a good time. And I guess the moral of this episode and liars and gentlemen would be don't be around Billy Joe Murphy in two settings. One, a bar fight, and two, when there's uncooked pasta around. <laughs> thanks for coming on, buddy. It's good, it's good to talk to you, all right? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. We just came out of our special guest interview, so we're going to move on. Terrace, what are you thinking? I'm really ready for some sport. I'm uh, hoping that you know, everything can return to normal here, not just in the United States, but across the world. I know i got a couple of golfers on here with me. Who's excited about this? Tiger and, and Phil 2.0 matchup. I mean, this year they've, they've brought in a little help. You got Tiger that's uh, going to be paired up with, with Peyton Manning, and then you've got uh, Tom Brady's going to be paired up there with Phil. So a little a little insight to this. Um, I was reading a, a little article about this, and they don't really know the format. Obviously, the um, you know tournament officials have to approve everything. Government and public health officials have to approve the event, it's going to be spectacular. Those guys in the competitive spirit, I hope that they take it somewhat seriously just to see the competitiveness between those four guys. Just the surrounding circumstances of, of COVID going on. There's no other sport. This is a different setting because we're in this, this COVID atmosphere. Heck, I'm, I'm watching DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker play NBA basketball on – PlayStation against each other, and that's considered watching sports at this point in time. I mean, seriously, I got connected with ABA because I was watching handball and, and tweeted from uh, Liars and a Gentleman, and, uh, you know, he retweeted it, and I was like, hey, man, you want to join our podcast one night? <laughs> and, there, and there it went. Like, that's the point where us sports fans are at. We're watching replays of very lesser-known sports. I'm going to have a hard time not buy, not ordering Papa John's pizza or buying a Buick while uh, Peyton Manning's on TV. Man, you got an uh, animated guy like Peyton Manning coming in here, you know, like you've been on the Saturday Night Live skits, uh, commercials, State Farm, all this, man. 
and then you got Brady coming out of the shell going to Tampa, man. It's hopefully it's entertainment at its best for the greatest athletes of our the ages that we grew up with. It's it's gonna be a fun competition. Looking forward to it. It, it. it's hard not to echo what Dave and Terrace said. I mean, when you get four greats together in a in a competition match, I mean it it's just it's that's what it's all about. It doesn't really matter what sport it is. Four guys like that, they're going to be trying, you know, it's, it's going to be competitive. It's for a good cause, but but still it'll be competitive. It'll be fun. I read the last time they played was a $9 million winner-take-all deal, and Phil won. So I'm predicting Phil will win. Counting the beans. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of trash talk, and I want to see a lot of big bets on the golf course. That's why I want to see some money in play so that it makes everybody kind of tense up uh, you know, makes makes that competitive spirit a little bit more uh, alive. I mean, you, you start talking golf wagering and hold a whole wagering, uh, it, it can it can bring out the best in some, and it can bring out the worst in some. Hey, they want to bring out big bets. There's only one person that brings bigger bets than uh, these guys, I would say, and that that's got to be the goat of all sports, Michael Jordan. That's correct, Brian. And that's all the time we have for this week, but that's a perfect segue into the next episode's topics for the Liars and Gentlemen podcast, which will be the biggest winners and the biggest losers from The Last Dance. The matchup between Phil and Tiger, along with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. We look forward to being back on. Please tune back in to the next episode.